What's going on, guys? Hardest part of the ring with another apron bump and G Willikers. What a show we got today. Um, I'm running out of ways to start the show. But, um, <laughs> um, get away from the ratings, get away from the demos, get away from Raw Underground and the, the women's you know, being mistreated, whatever is going on today, this week. Get away from that and let's go back to a simpler time. A much simpler time of March 2002. You know, you have Hey Baby by No Doubt is the top song. Blade 2 is the top movie in the nation. And I'm probably looking on LimeWire to pirate some pornography. But, you know, it's a much simpler time, easier. Things were just easier back then, you know? But anyways, where was I? Oh, that's right. Ring of Honor Round Robin Challenge. Ring of Honor's second ever show occurring on March 30th, 2002 from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, if you have not yet listened to uh, my first ROH show that I did of their first ever show, um, An Era of Honor Begins, I strongly suggest you go and give that a listen, although there is little to no bearing storyline-wise on this show, but hey, go fucking listen to it, or at least download it. Go download it. You don't have to listen to it, but just download it. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> just kidding. Um, but anyways, where are we at here? Ra- Ring, Ring Robin. Ring Robin. Ring of Honor. Round Robin Challenge. So, like I said, it's their uh, their second ever event that they have done. And man, you can tell it is early in their run as a promotion. Very, very uh, different a very strong departure from where it ended up being just a mere few years later, if that. Um, still kind of getting their footing, still figuring out what they want to be, what they want to do, who they want to push, um, and just what kind of uh, atmosphere they want to portray for Ring of Honor. But it's fun to watch them figure that out in real time, um, which is like, which is why I like to go through all these shows in order from the beginning because I'm just fascinated by the evolution and by like where they started and where they ultimately ended up at. So um, this show <laughs> is a lot of, man, if you, if you think of indie wrestler, right? That, that uh, I'm not gonna, I don't want to call it a slur, but it's like a, a derogative term given to guys that look like they're indie wrestlers. And you know what I'm talking about, right? Nowadays in 2020, People in the indies still look pretty professional, right? Whether it's their physique or their attire or they're just their general look. People kind of get a handle on their look a little earlier nowadays. But man, in 2002, big yikes. <laughs> a lot of baggy shorts, a lot of headbands, a lot of flames and names on their tights. And man, it's just a lot of people, every, a lot of people in the show blend together which kind of makes it hard to follow sometimes, but it's still, it's funny to watch. But yeah, their second ever show, they had a really good first show, and Era of Honor Begins. There was, It wasn't all good. There was a lot of bad on it, but there was also a lot of good, a lot of signs that this promotion is, um, they're destined or they're at least designed to uh, give the fans something different. I went over this in my last ROH uh, podcast, but long story short, wrestling is not that healthy in 2002 you know the attitude era has kind of petered out so we're in this weird transition period wcw ecw they're both defunct so now wwe kind of has a stranglehold on the industry 
and they're in a position where they don't really need to put a lot of effort in to their storylines or into their shows, which results in kind of eh shows and uh, fans are getting tired of it. They're fatigued of WWE and they're looking for something different and they're upset that they can't go to WCW or ECW to do that. So, which is pretty much the source of why Ring of Honor arose in the first place. Um, a promotion started by RF videos to get give people something different. And, um, like I said, their first show had some pretty good stuff on it. The main event had, uh, American Dragon, Brian Danielson versus Christopher Daniels versus Loki and a triple threat. That was really, really good. Um, and you also saw a match between Eddie Guerrero and Super Crazy. So two big names, um, from two obviously very capable competitors, two legends in the industry. So had a little bit of everything on that show. Uh, but like I said, they're still figuring out what they're doing at this point. So you can't expect it all to be great. But they have some good momentum going. And in this show, we look to see if they can keep that momentum strong. Um, so, yeah, the show opens up. Now, I don't think they did this in their first event. Um, maybe they did. Maybe I just missed it. But the show opens up and you see like a, I don't know what you call it, like some like just black a black screen with white text. Like, uh, like you would see like in a Star Wars movie where like the text kind of like goes down or whatever. Um, <laughs> can you tell? I don't know what I'm talking about. But it's basically text on the screen that lists the code of honor. So I, I guess this is an attempt to kind of differentiate themselves, um, you know, a kind of establish a platform for the company, which I kind of like. It kind of gives them a different feel, kind of gives it a a sports kind of feel to it maybe um i don't know if that's what they're going for but that's kind of what it uh resonated with as far as how i interpreted it um but it's text that lists the code codes of honor and it's a couple different rules and i'll list them out right now rule one competitors must shake hands before and after the match two no interfering in matches or having others interfere on your behalf three no harming a referee or causing others to harm an official, which is funny because a referee literally got stabbed on the first show. So yeah, this probably wasn't included there. Um, number four, no sneak attacks. Number five, any violation in the ring, any violation in ring will result in a DQ. So, <laughs> which is funny. Now that I read that, like I said, I don't, I don't think they included that in the first event because uh there was a lot of harming of referees and a lot of sneak attacks so um but yeah i guess they're kind of cut kind of trying to cut the malarkey you know they they don't want to be they don't want to be sports entertainment they don't want to be wwe they don't want you know dirty finishes and uh you know people interfering in matches to cause you know the, the heel to win in a heel way like that they want to establish themselves and portray themselves as a more of a sport than what we've seen in the past so which I can appreciate because in these alternatives, I say it over and over again. The most important thing is that you do something to differentiate yourself. You do something to offer. You offer a product that you can't find anywhere else. And that applies for more than just wrestling. It applies for everything. If you want people to enjoy a product or a service, you have to be able to do something that other people can't or at least be able to do it better than anybody else. So I like how Ring of Honor kind of establishes that right out of the gate. So the show opens up with a backstage promo from Christopher Daniels. Now, my, my a major criticism of the first show from me 
is that the promos were goddamn horrendous. <laughs> it is. I, I see that a lot in my progress run through too. Um, these like backstage, they're just like done in the hallway with a camera. It's like, hey, hey, bud, why don't you cut a promo real quick? And then they have like two seconds to think about it. And they're like, all right. At least that's how it comes off to me when I'm watching it. But um, there was less of that on this show. Um, at least most. You know what? Never mind. There were actually a lot of bad ones. But either way, this Christopher Daniels one was actually probably one of the better ones at the beginning. Um, basically, he's talking about how Ring of Honor is no better than any other independent promotion that he's worked in. He says that ROH is just another indie. And he declares that he will shake nobody's hand. And he says that he's going to prove that he is the best independent wrestler in the world when he beats both American Dragon and Loki later tonight. So basically establishing himself as, you know, I I know that there's a code of honor, but uh, you can take that code of honor and uh, fuck your mother with it. So <laughs> it's a paraphrase. I'm basically paraphrasing what he said. And yeah, so gets a lot of heat with the crowd because that's pretty much what they're trying to build themselves off of as far as what their ethos is and what makes them different. And Christopher Daniels is kind of spitting in the face of that. Um, so I like that opening promo by him. Um, but then you transit, you transition in from that into more garbage. Similar to what we saw in their first event, An Era of Honor Begins, we see Duh Hit Squad. Not The Hit Squad, Duh Hit Squad. Um, kind of rallying fans outside of the building. I will say it was kind of cheesy and a little cringe, but it was better than the first event because the first event it, like it opened up and these guys, um, I forget what their names are. It's two big, vaguely ethnic guys. I think they're from, they're like Puerto Rican or something. And because um, they get on a bus, it has like fucking 12 people on it and they're trying to rally them up. Like, are you guys ready for Ring of Honor tonight? And they're like, huh? What's up? And uh, <laughs> it's uh, so they, they had a little more of a plan, I think, this time. Um, they had a pretty good gathering outside of the building. And they're like, again, you know, just you guys ready to see America Dragon, you were Christopher Daniels and all that shit. Um, and the fans are into it. The fans are into it. I think they kind of sense that this company is starting to get a little momentum going or at least starting to establish a bit of a presence in the wrestling industry. So they look like they're into it. So uh, I guess that's all that matters, right? But I hope we don't get any more to hit squad rallies in future shows because I'm sick of watching them. Um, after that, transitions to another backstage segment with Divine Storm, which is a tag team comprised of Quiet Storm and Chris Divine. You get it? <laughs> so these two guys are backstage, two just generic indie guys with long hair and bad facial hair. Um, trying to, uh, so Quiet Storm is talking to Chris Devine. He's like, hey man, I have this new hold I want to try on you. Can I, can I, can I, can I put it on you and see how it is? And then Chris Devine's like, ah, I don't know. And then, uh, Quiet Storm's like, ah, yeah. And so Storm, <laughs> Storm puts the hold on him. It's like, a, I don't know, a hammer lock. And Brian Danielson walks by and he's like, that's not how you put this hold on. This is how you put the hold on. And then he just cinches it in on the divine storm. He makes him cry and uh, quiet storm laughs at him. So <laughs> very similar to like the Tim Timothy Thatcher stuff we see on NXT. Um, it's funny to see Brian Danielson at this stage of his career. Um, but after that, right into the first match, American Dragon. By the way, they call him American Dragon. They don't call him Brian Danielson or anything. They just call him American Dragon. So. From this point forward, if I say American Dragon, you know who I'm talking about. American Dragon 
versus Christopher Daniels. So the premise of this match and what it's kind of centered around is these three guys, American Dragon, Christopher Daniels, and Loki. As I mentioned before, they main evented the first show in a triple threat match in which Loki won. But it was a very uh, competitive match and all three guys looked really good. So they've kind of separated themselves from the rest of the roster and are firmly at the top. And while there is no world title at this point, they're pretty much just looking to prove that they're the best independent wrestler in the world. So this show, Round Robin Challenge, as the title suggests, these three guys will compete in three separate matches, Round Robin style. And, you know, there's no real stakes, I guess. But um, the premise here is we're all going to face each other and we're going to really prove who's the best. So um, this first match is the first of those three matches with American Dragon versus Christopher Daniels. Uh, This match is pretty good. You could definitely sense that they were uh, saving themselves for their later matches um, and not wanting to go too hard in this match so that, you know, they didn't want to outshine the the, the two matches after this. So um, solid match. Definitely had another gear that they could have hit, I think, had this been just a one-off match. Um, but I enjoyed it thoroughly. Daniels pretty much works the neck of Dragon during this match. Um, a lot of counter-wrestling, a lot of amateur wrestling, a lot of submissions. That's a common theme you see in these round-robin matches on this show. But Daniels works the neck the whole match and ultimately hits him with like a like a crossroads-type move. Uh, spinning neckbreaker, whatever you, whatever you want to call it. And then right into a submission, not a cross, I guess a cross face. It's more of a bank statement. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to come off like, yeah, I hit him with a crossroads and then into a bank statement. It makes me seem like I started watching wrestling two years ago. But that's basically what happened. And uh, American Dragon ends up tapping to the bank statement um, from Daniels. So Christopher Daniels is 1-0. Dragon is 0-1 on the night. Um, and remember, we have the Code of Honor. You have to shake hands before the match and shake hands after the match. They shook before, I believe, but uh, after, you know, Daniels won the match. So he's like, yeah, I'm going to make you shake my hand. He's being a dick about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because he didn't shake their hands on the first show. So now he won He won the match. And now he's like, oh, yeah, you got to shake my hand now. But then, you know, Dragon does because... To quote him, he has class. So, um, good little deal there. Good first match of the show and set the tone really well, I think. But then after that classic wrestling match, we get a weird homoerotic segment with Prince Nana and Eric Tuttle, uh, also known as Towel Boy. Um, <laughs> so, I guess these guys are teaming together. For anybody who's not aware, Prince Nana is this huge prince from Ghana. Um, and... Eric Tuttle is a scrawny white boy, so how are these guys going to get along, or whatever the sitcom is? Um, so, yeah, like I said, it is, you know, Prince Nana, he's a prince, so and Towel Boy is a Towel Boy, so obviously the natural progression is Prince Nana telling Eric Tuttle to shine his shoes, so he does with his towel, and it's weird and didn't need it. Um, <laughs> and then uh, transitions, screen wipes, <laughs> the, the 2002 like it's star wipes, screen wipes, whatever you call it. Transitions are hilarious. But um, goes to another backstage segment with C.W. Anderson. Uh, basically saying that he can win a tag team match with any partner, with any scrub. So he kind of looks over to his left. He's like, hey, you, 
kid. And the guy's like, eh? and then uh, Anderson's like, you're going to be my partner tonight. And, he, and the kid's like, ah, okay. I don't know if he's on drugs or if he's just a little funny, but I guess uh, CW Anderson's going to be teaming with this random guy later in the night to face the team of Joey Matthews and Christian York. Um, so you have that to look forward to. Uh, but the next match here is Prince Nana and Eric Tuttle with Simply Luscious as their manager um, versus the, sorry, duh, Hit Squad. So I guess uh, let's talk about Simply Luscious for a second. So Luscious apparently is a graduate from the Texas Wrestling Academy. And you see that a lot on this show. You see a lot of people from Shawn Michaels' school on this show, which is good to see. Um, but before the match starts, Nana cuts a promo. Uh, the acoustics were awful. I couldn't hear anything. Literally, the only thing I heard was your mother in my hotel room uh, or yeah, however he talks. Um, very, very 2002 insults here. Um, I think Daniels in the previous match said something along the lines of, you know, hey, you in the crowd, you, you belong in the Special Olympics. It's like, Ugh. Um, <laughs> very, uh, very different times here. But uh, once again, so Nana's cutting a promo. And Towelboy once again shines his shoes because apparently we didn't get enough of that in the previous segment. And the whole promo is kind of, a, you know, the, the, the idea here is that this is very sports entertainment. This is very, you know, character. This is very wacky characters are very, you know, colorful and silly. And that's not that goes against what the Code of Honor is. And the Hit Squad, the Hit Squad is pretty much, I don't want to call them vigilantes, but they're kind of vigilantes and trying to rid this company of anyone who goes against this Code of Honor. Um, so the hit squad storms through the crowd and attacks Nana and Towel Boy, and the match starts. And boy, howdy, is this a squash! Um, I don't remember the hit squad like their individual names, but let's call um, for for all intents and purposes, let's call them um, Jabroni One and Jabroni Two. Uh, so Jabroni One hits uh, Nana with a huge frog splash, um, and then Jabroni Two hits uh, Eric Tuttle with a crippling spear um and then they did this like really cool like wheelbarrow into a clothesline like kind of uh so like jabroni one had tuttle like in a wheelbarrow like like he's going for a wheelbarrow suplex and then jabroni two runs in and clotheslines him as he's like getting risen up um i don't know how to articulate it with words but go back and watch it if you really want to know and then uh jabroni two then hits tuttle with a burning hammer for the win so yeah Beat these guys in like two minutes, but Nana basically said, uh, fuck you, Tuttle, I'm out of here after that first frog splash. So um, I guess they're trying to keep him looking strong, whatever it is. But uh, I know he eventually ends up just being a manager. So who knows what kind of success he sees in ring, in Ring of Honor. So, I mean, I guess a lot of people already know because it's happened, but I don't know. So uh, go fuck yourself. Um, but after the match, the Christopher Street Connection is back. Now... If you have not listened to my first podcast, I go into great lengths about them. To put it plainly, they are two... I don't know if they're actually gay or not. But from what I'm from what I'm watching, from how they portray themselves, they look like two very straight guys who are being as stereotypically gay as possible. Um, coming out to the village people, YMCA as their entrance music. Uh, one of them, they both have like rainbows and shit all over their attire. And one of them has like uh, streamers 
don't know what you call it, but you like pop it and then a bunch of streamers come out. Hey, guys, we're gay, is what they might as well just be yelling into a megaphone. But the Christopher Street Connection and the Hit Squad had a run-in on the first show, basically, because uh, the connection represents what uh, they don't want in Ring of Honor. Not gays, but flamboyant, colorful, wacky characters. Um, That's not what they want, and they will do whatever it takes to rid this company of that. Uh, Subtle homophobia aside, um, (laughs) um, the Christopher Street connection starts walking out to the ring, and to Hit Squad, they pick up Eric Tuttle and toss him over the ring post onto the Christopher Street connection, or at least they tried to. Um, I don't know if the connection was supposed to be closer to him, or if he just didn't throw him far enough, but uh, Towel Boy ended up like <laughs> falling like face first onto the concrete. Um, Nano's out there with the, with the connection. I think they were all supposed to catch him, but they all didn't. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but don't worry, the segment's not over. Simply Luscious gets into the ring and starts yelling at the Hit Squad for whatever reason. Um, they threaten. They kind of. <laughs> One of them grabs Luscious and like threatens to like give her a burning hammer, but the other guy's like, no, 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 don't do that. Uh, so what they end up doing is picking her up and throwing her onto the pile outside of the connection, Nana and Tuttle. Now they are all in position to catch her, and it's all fun. Bunch of wacky tomfoolery here. But don't worry, <laughs> the segment is still not over. The Christopher Street connection carry Eric Tuttle to the back. They tried up because he's still knocked out from fucking getting thrown at, onto the concrete on his head by Hit Squad. So they carry him to the back. And guess what? You know, and just to recap, uh, they're gay. So what do they do? They try to practice CPR on Eric, Eric Tuttle. Um, so Tuttle's on the ground and one of the guys is about to execute CPR or mouth to mouth or whatever the fuck. On to Tuttle, but then Prince Nada makes the save. Oh, thank God. Wouldn't want that gayness on our show. And uh, Nana carries Tuttle away. Um, And then naturally, the Christopher Street connection just decides to practice mouth-to-mouth on each other. Yikes. Anyways, we go backstage to uh, the Boogie Knights. Uh, If you asked me what their individual names were, I would tell you uh, who gives a shit. They're just a couple jobbers. Um, they had a tag team match against the Natural Born Sinners on the first show, a team comprised of Homicide and Boogaloo. Uh, they ended up winning that match, uh, via Homicide smacking one of them with a rubber chicken and getting him DQ'd. So, uh, that's where we're at with this storyline. Oh, and then they chased them after the match with, uh, chainsaws. Can't leave that out. Can't leave that out. Uh, so story continuity here, the Boogie Knights are backstage and they're like, man, I'm concerned about these, uh, natural, natural born sinners, uh, these characters, because man, remember the chainsaw from before, man, I'm terrified. And then the other boogie, the other boogie is like, Hey, I know where the chainsaw is. So, uh, let's go and smash it with a sledgehammer. So they have a sledgehammer handy, of course. And then they walk into like literally the next room over <laughs> to where a chainsaw case is. Uh, they open up the case and it's empty. There's no chainsaw in it. And instead of a chainsaw, there's is a there is a rubber chicken. 
the symbolic rubber chicken from Homicide. So that's in the case, and then they hear a chainsaw noise in the background, and then they run off because it's fucking Scooby-Doo, apparently. Um, <laughs> and they transition another screen wipe into another backstage promo with Christian York and Joey Matthews. Joey Matthews, a.k.a. Joey Mercury. So I guess these guys have been teaming for like five or six years, according to the commentators. Um, so they have a, a really bad promo here. I don't remember what they said. But I remember the closing line was, Christian and York tonight are going to be in full effect. Whatever the fuck that means. But that transitions into their match. So we have Joey Matthews and Christian York versus C.W. Anderson and the random scrub that he picked up. Who apparently his name is Elax. Like E-L-A-X. Not X-Lax. Elax. So, first of all, can someone explain cw anderson to me is he just supposed to be like like what gilberg was to goldberg is that what cw is supposed to be in relation to Oli and arn i don't know maybe maybe i'm just lost on it but whatever he, he, him and xlax or elax are teaming up to take on york and matthews and uh to quote steve carino on commentary uh elax might just be and this is a quote might just be half retarded so, yeah, I don't know what his character is supposed to be, <laughs> this Elex guy, I don't know, because he's like laughing, he's like, a, he's like on laughing gas the whole match, um, but whatever, it's kind of a whatever match, uh, York and Matthews end up winning with a double team move called the Problem Solver, which literally is the snapshot that Mercury and Nitro end up doing a few years later as Eminem, so I thought that was kind of funny, um, but York and Matthews get the win, they don't have a lot of really legitimate tag teams, in ROH at this point, so it's good to kind of establish one, um, at least a sem- semi-competent team here. Um, but then after the match, C.W. Anderson naturally is pissed. He blames the loss on his partner, even though he picked him. Blames the loss on his partner, uh, punches Elax, and then gives him a double-A spinebuster because Gilberg. Um, <laughs> anyways, after that backstage, we get uh, a promo from... Is it Xavier or Xavier? Xavier? I'm going to call him Xavier. Um, Xavier is a guy, he has a really good look. Well, he's in good shape, I'll put it that way. But he's very generic looking. Um, and it seems like they're trying to build this guy up. But he's clearly very green and just doesn't have a lot of... I don't want to say it factor, but he just doesn't have like a presence about him. I don't know. He, he doesn't have confidence. I think that's what it is. I think he's lacking a confidence and I think he's lacking anything unique that is able to connect his identity to the audience. Um, but he has a really bad promo here backstage. Talks about his opponent. He's talking about James Mariotto. I know he's a great athlete, but I, Xavier, am going to prove that I'm the overall best here. And then he does a little X thing with his arms because that's his name and everyone needs a little hand gesture to get over. So, <laughs> But I listened to this and I'm like, mm, who the fuck is James Mariotto? And then it transitions, another screen wipe, into a promo with James Mariotto, who apparently is Little Guido, or Nunzio, however you want to call him. Apparently, Nunzio is wrestling in ROH now, and I should say, this is before he was Nunzio, actually. He was just Little Guido in ECW, because ECW just folded like a year or two before this, So, and this is before he went to WWE. So, it's actually a pretty good promo, promo by Guido here. He's talking basically about how in ROH, he's going to return to his roots. You know, he's not going to be that he's not going to be that little Guido character in ECW that was reliant on comedy and all that stuff. 
He's going to go back to when he was wrestling in Japan for UWF. He's going to be the shooter, James Maritato. I think I said Mariato before, but it's Maritato. The shooter, James Maritato. Um, so yeah, he's no longer about gimmicks. He's all about wrestling. Um, kind of similar to the Eddie Guerrero promo from the first event. You know, I'm not, I, they're not concerned about the flashiness or the gimmicks or the spectacle. They're just about the pure pro wrestling aspect of it. And once again, kind of falls in line with the code of honor and with the ethos that they're trying to establish for the company. Um, so I kind of like that in a sense. But the match itself, which uh, comes up next, James Maritato versus Xavier. The match itself was just kind of whatever. Um, it's not, you know, because when I think of Ring of Honor, right, I think of, uh, I think of like the Nigel McGuinness versus Brian Danielson. I think of CM Punk matches. I think of Kenta, Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels. I think of all those guys. And I'm watching this here and we got Nunzio versus Xavier. <laughs> it's so, it's such a departure from what they ended up being and what made Ring of Honor so good. And that's kind of what I talked about and how they're kind of still trying to figure things out. Um, it's a balancing act between, hey, we want new young stars to uh, actually have the chance to wrestle, and but we want some big names on the show. So we're going to sacrifice these young stars to bring some, some big names onto the, onto the card. Not to say that Nunzio isn't a good wrestler or anything. But, um, I mean, we all, know, we all know who Nunzio is. He's not a main eventer. He's not a guy that's going to carry a company. He's a really good, he's a really awesome character. I think he's very underrated as well. But as far as Ring of Honor, Nunzio is just not what I'm looking for in these shows. And Xavier, as I mentioned before, very generic, very green. Um, that came off very strongly in his promo. And it comes off even stronger in his execution of his matches. So... Pretty much a recipe for a pretty boring match. Um, it was technically it was okay, but it was just boring and I didn't care about it. Um, ultimately, Xavier ends up winning with a European clutch. So basically like a cradle uh, pin. You see Zack Sabre Jr. do this a lot. Pretty much that type of pin. So a cradle pin out of nowhere gets Xavier the win. Like I said, clearly they are building up Xavier here. Uh, he got a win over a guy named Scoot Andrews on the first show and he gets another win here. So he is now 2-0. So we'll see what happens with him in the future. Um, back to backstage, really bizarre segment. I don't know why they put this in the middle of the show. Um, some some old guy from the Philadelphia State Athletic Commission. I guess his name's Frank Talent. He's talking to all the wrestlers backstage, and he's basically telling all of them, "No blood, no cursing. And if if you curse, then you're disqualified, and the match is over." And uh, as he's you know scolding all the wrestlers about this, you have uh, Brian Kendrick standing behind him brushing his teeth. Now, you might be asking, that doesn't make any sense, hardest part of the ring, in which I would respond to you, and you are correct. Anyways, next segment, we have the Natural Born Sinners. As I mentioned before, Homicide and Boogaloo, they claim that they're not only the best tag team in wrestling, but they are going to kill the Boogie Knights tonight. So they're uh, going to murder them, I guess. So, next match, <laughs> so that transitions into their match, Natural Born Sinners versus the Boogie Knights. Weird, uh, their entrance, <laughs> they have the chainsaw coming out to the ring. They're wearing, like, the police, like, they just broke out of prison. They're wearing, like, the police garb. Uh, then the Boogie Knights come out to, you're the best around. Nothing's ever gone. I get whatever that song is called. Uh, so it's just a funny clash of characters here. Um, very short match, another squash match. 
the the natural born sinners basically just mutilate the boogie knights here really stiff uh homicide does this like it's like a tombstone but it's almost like a hybrid with a scoop slam so he picks them up like he's gonna give them a scoop slam but then he just drops them right on his head really looked brutal and then just follows it up with a stomp off the top rope which you might be saying to yourself hey you see that all the time in wrestling but generally guys will hold back on it or they'll adjust their weight backwards so it's not their whole body weight slamming onto them but homicide paid no mind to this he just crushed this guy's sternum here and then he picks him up for a power bomb and power bombs him head first onto boogaloo's knee uh several rubber chicken smack the rubber chicken don't worry the rubber chicken comes back into play here but the ref is not looking so it, they get away with it this time uh <laughs> just a ridiculous match here and ultimately the the finish comes with a, a double team move by the sinners. It's like a half and half suplex mixed with a clothesline. Gets them the win. Builds up the natural born sinners as a legit tag team. And who knows if we'll ever see the Boogie Knights again. I truly don't care if we do. After that, we have our second round robin match of the night. Christopher Daniels versus Low Key. Uh, Christopher Daniels who just beat Daniel Bryan or American Dragon. Uh, a few maybe like an hour hour and a half ago now he's facing low key now i can already see what they're doing here you can already kind of sense it daniels won the first match against brian you can already tell that they're gonna have low key beat christopher daniels and then they're gonna have american dragon beat low key later in the night because you're not just gonna have daniels win this match and then have him just win the round robin tournament before the main event even happens you know what i mean so you can already kind of see where they're going with it but we can enjoy the ride as we're on it but yeah christopher daniels versus loki a really good match as expected loki his kicks are insane so quick so so effective looking um but they're, they're effective but they also are aesthetically like they look devastating when they do it which is like a perfect blend for pro wrestling i'm sure they're probably stiff as hell but man i just love loki's style even though he's notably a dickhead i love loki's wrestling style um the finish of this match comes when daniels goes so he's going for that same crossroads like neckbreaker that he hit american dragon with earlier in the night but loki is able to spin out of it and counter and puts daniels into a dragon sleeper which ultimately leads to Daniels tapping out. So another submission win in this round robin tournament. Um, that's clearly a theme here. Another similar. There's a lot, you know, a lot of up close wrestling, uh, much like the first match here. But yeah, so Loki gets the win. So now Loki is one and zero. Daniels is one and one. Dragon is zero and one. And then we still have American Dragon versus Loki in the main event. But after the match. Uh, so like I said, remember the handshakes after before and after the match. So Daniels teases a handshake at the end, but then he takes it back. The old, the old switcheriski and he runs his hand through his hair, even though he has no hair. Daniels claims that he only lost this match because it was his second match of the night and that low key was fresh. Um, and he says that he won't wrestle low key again until the ring of honor title is on the line, which is the first mention of this title. And the commentator is absolutely perplexed. Ring of Honor title? What's that? I mean, it's pretty straightforward, no? But whatever the case may be, they, they tease a Ring of Honor title for the first time. So we shall be seeing that soon. 
hopefully. Um, so Daniels says that he won't wrestle Key again until the title is on the line. Storms to the back and it runs into the hit squad. And they are mad because he didn't shake Loki's hand and he disrespected him and whatever. A little continuity there with the hit squad and how they support the code of honor and they will look to destroy anybody that goes against it. But they're held back. Daniels kind of scurries away and then transitions into another backstage segment. A very, <laughs> come on, man, a very bizarre. So it's Amazing Red, Divine Storm, and the team of SAT, which are basically, for all intents and purposes, just picture two super crazies. Um, <laughs> all of these four guys are playing basketball. They're all terrible at basketball, first of all. I don't know if there's like a gym in this facility or what, but they're all like, none of them know how to dribble, and it's very clunky, and they're all wearing their, their indie wrestling attire. Uh, but Red <laughs> takes the basketball, he dribbles to the hoop, clumsily dribbles, and then kind of throws it up there, and it somehow like bounces off the rim five times and then goes in and i guess that means they won the basketball match and then uh the other team is very mad at this so that's the build up for their match later uh why why is this why was this on the show then after that we have the debut of paul london man good to see him on the show i'm always i've always been a huge paul london fan i think he's one of the most i hate i hate the term underrated but i feel like he's one of the more underrated guys in the industry um so we have a match here between Paul London and Chris Marvel. Chris Marvel is a guy, he just blends in with the other indie guys on the show. <laughs> um, wearing a t-shirt and black tights, whatever. Um, but this match lasts literally like two minutes. So London gets some offense in on the ring, um, hits some moonsault drop kicks, uh, shows that he's really athletic, um, but doesn't really get a chance to show what he can do in a longer match because he goes for an acai moonsault to the outside onto Chris Marvel. And I guess just the way Marvel was bracing for it, ended up breaking his fucking leg. <laughs> Crazy. You can literally see his leg just turn like 180 degrees gruesome looking for a spot that didn't even look like it was going to be that devastating. But man, I guess anything can happen in these matches. Very sick looking injury here. And then obviously they call off the match. I guess technically Paul, Paul London wins. But the story here is that Chris Marvel... Broke his leg, and who knows if he'll be back. Um, but I was a little disappointed to not see more of Paul London, but I know he'll be on future so future shows, um, so we have that to look forward to. And then after that, we have Jay Briscoe versus Spanky, a.k.a. Brian Kendrick. Um, pretty solid match here. Both Briscoe and Spanky were on the first show as well. Uh, Briscoe lost to Amazing Red. And Spanky uh, got the pinfall in a tag match with a couple other jobbers. Um, so Briscoe and Spanky are two guys that have a lot of potential at this point, and they see that early on. Uh, the match is solid. It was kind of boring in the beginning. Very typical kind of WWE-style match. I don't know how else to describe it, but it was pretty boring at the beginning. Um, but then Spanky goes for the slice bread number two, and as he's climbing the turnbuckles... Um, Jay Briscoe throws him forward and Spanky goes face first into the top of the ring post. I, it seemed like he was trying to do that, but I guess he just didn't get his hands up or whatever the case may be, but he, you can see his head smack and bounce off of this ring post. Holy shit. And he's busted open. He's pouring blood. Really, really gruesome looking. And I don't know if it's because of the blood or what, but the intensity Picked up right after this. Um, a lot of high action, a lot of high paced action here. 
after that. Um, Jay Briscoe hits him with a sick-looking powerbomb, high-ankle powerbomb for uh, a two-count. Um, Spanky ends up fighting back, gets some fire in him, gets some momentum, and actually ends up hitting him with the slice bread for the win. Both guys looked awesome in this match, especially towards the end. Um, at least Spanky did. I'm curious as to why the Briscoes aren't teaming together. I don't know if Mark is injured or something or what it is, but I'm confused why they're trying to push Jay Briscoe. I guess they're not pushing him. He's he's now 0-2, but I don't know. Maybe they just, maybe the Briscoes just wanted Jay to have a opportunity, whatever the case may be. But obviously they go on to have major success as a tag team, and then Jay, you know, many years later ends up getting the world title. So the beginning of a huge huge arc for the briscoes here um but spanking this match i think really got himself over uh whether it's the blood or whatever it was i think the crowd really got behind him even though he seemed to be situated as a heel in this match um but whatever the case may be the crowd really loved it and um yeah man good for spanky uh briscoe shows frustration after the match um he's kind of yelling at his brother and he's just mad because now he's owing to but yeah so after that god this match <laughs> describes 2002 indie wrestling in a nutshell, at least the bad side of it. We have, because man, was this match a clusterfuck. <laughs> so all these guys were featured on the first show as well. And the premise here is that they're all trained by Mikey Whipwreck. So that's kind of their tie here. And after this match, I am sure they all got spanked by Mikey because this match was an abomination holy shit so let's just let's just set the scene first so it's a three-way tag match so we have three teams we have divine storm who we mentioned earlier versus the team of sat the aforementioned two super crazies i don't know what sat stands for and i really don't care versus the team of amazing red and brian xl so and all these guys look at the same they're all wearing the baggy clothes the the long tights the long hair the greasy hair a lot of headbands a lot of just all kind of very similar and i guess they all train together i don't know if it's that hive mind mentality or what but very blendy in together um but this match <laughs> like i said so so sloppy just a lot of spots a lot of flips lots and lots of botches i don't know if they tried too hard to rehearse it or if they just had no idea what anybody was doing because it seemed like every other move was fucked up you know they have two guys you know, they, they run in they're, they're both guys are running the ropes and they run into each other and they don't know what to, they don't know whether they hip toss or to arm drag or to or what it is so they kind of just run into each other and kind of just you know, fumble around with each other's hands and um, you have amazing even amazing red like s- slips off the ropes doing a, an acai moonsault um brian xl goes for a dragon rana but he does the flip and lands on the guy but he doesn't get the rotation backwards so he ends up just falling into a power bomb yeah man just a lot of blown spots a lot of slipping a lot of it was just too much you have six guys in there and you're, you're expecting they're all pretty new too they're all still you know training to be wrestlers and you're just throwing them in a six-man match like this expecting a cohesive story to be told or you know multiple different spots everybody has to remember and they're just trying too hard to remember spots and not you know just feeling it um but yeah man even amazing red looked sloppy in this match which is saying something 
Because even because like at the end, he goes for the red alert, which is basically like a Phoenix splash, right? He does it and he completely misses. <laughs> he just literally, the guy is on the ground. I forget who he's trying to hit it on. The guy is laying on the ground, centered in the corner. Red does the red alert and just lands like at his feet. <laughs> and then Brian XL, um, who's his partner, tries to like, uh, so he, he like drags the guy that's on the ground that was supposed to get hit with the red alert. He drags him to the center of the ring. Brian gets on the apron and goes for like, I don't know if he was going for a springboard 450, but what ended up happening is like a springboard flip and like landing on his feet on the guy. I don't know. It looked really sloppy. Landed on the guy at least. Doesn't get the win. It's broken up and more, uh, (laughs) more, more, uh, more incoherent grappling and flipping happens for a little bit. Um, Man, I don't even remember when the finish came. I'm going to be honest, I don't even remember who won this match, and I didn't even note it because it just doesn't matter because everyone looked so awful in this match, and I hope they at least like stick these guys with more tenured competitors, more individually, and not these like six-man clusterfucks. But after the match, Brian and I guess Brian and Red lost, right? Um, yep, uh, Brian XL and Amazing Red are outside of the ring, Shoving each other. They're pissed at each other. I guess they're building to a match between those two now. Oh boy. Apparently we get more of this. But don't worry everybody. Don't worry. We now get to cleanse our palate of this shit with the main event. We got American Dragon and Loki. The third match of the Round Robin series of this show. And this match lived up to every expectation. If they were saving themselves for this main event, well, boy howdy, they let it all hang loose in this final match. So I should mention that before this match starts, Ken Shamrock comes out to the ring. Yeah, that Ken Shamrock. Uh, He shakes both of their hands, uh, grabs the mic, says he respects both of these guys, respects their submission ability, their wrestling ability, and he says that he wants to be the ref for this match. Um, he asks the ref, hey, can I be a ref? And the ref's like, yeah, you're Ken Shamrock. Don't hurt me, please. So the ref takes his shirt off, gives it to Ken. Ken puts it on. And now all of a sudden we have uh, American Dragon versus Loki with Ken Shamrock as your special guest referee. So the match gets underway. And man, I just love this style of wrestling, man. They spend a lot of time in close with each other, which brings in an element of realism to the match, which... Okay, pro wrestling is what it is, but I can appreciate guys who kind of bring these elements of MMA into it. They bring in uh, amateur wrestling, jiu-jitsu, Greco-Roman wrestling. All of this is basically what you saw in the main event. A lot of us, you know, wrestling in close, uh, submission attempts, counter-wrestling. It was kind of slow in the beginning, but this match ended up going 30 plus minutes. So they had time to build up. It's a lot of good stuff in the beginning. Uh, American Dragon apparently like busted his eye open in the previous match. I must have missed that. But um, he has this huge scab on his left eye. So Loki ends up targeting that eye um, a lot in this match. And no, not like Seth Rollins, but just kicking Brian in the face a lot with some really sick-looking Kawada kicks, really stiff-looking kicks all throughout the match. Um, but that's just the style of Loki, you know? So, like I said, 30 minutes of just nonstop action. 
Uh, and I loved the finishing stretch of this match. So basically, Loki hits the key crusher onto Daniel Bryan, or uh, fucking his name is, American Dragon, which if you know, it's basically like a uh, fisherman spinning Michinuku driver, I guess. Key hits the key crusher, goes for the pin, two count. Really good false finish. I actually thought that was the end of the match. But then uh, Dragon ends up fighting back, hits Key with a Dragon suplex, but he can't maintain the bridging pin so he has to let go and take time to get into like a a traditional cover which leads to a two count i like that level of nuance and that he couldn't maintain the bridge so that's probably the reason that he couldn't get the pin there um it's the little things man that i love um they start fighting again eventually low key hits the key crusher again this time from the second rope and uh on instinct american dragon rolls out of the ring so Key can't capitalize on uh, the Key Crusher that he hit from the second row. And you know, speaking of detail, I love this. So Key rolls, or Key leaves the ring to grab Brian so that he can roll him into the ring and pin him. So he rolls Dragon into the ring, and Dragon is still like close to the ropes. So Key pins him in like a north-south position and uh, like lifts onto his tippy toes to like maximize the weight that's on american dragon it's like such a small thing but it's things like that that add an element of realism and believability to the match um and also it's like one of my pet peeves is when wrestlers go for pins when like half their body is under the bottom rope it's like how do you not know the rules at this point so i love that key did everything to mitigate that um and like i said just brought an element of believability to the match um but uh key gets a two count here um, because it took too long to uh, gather Brian and roll him into the ring and all that. So Key goes, so Dragon gets up, he's standing in the corner, and then Loki goes for the tidal wave, which is basically like a running handstand springboard drop kick. I don't know how else to describe it, but he goes for it, but Brian catches him in a waist lock, goes for another Dragon suplex. Key blocks it because he's already been hit with it previously in the match, so now he knows to block it. But then Dragon modifies it on the fly and hits him with a like a like a cradle back suplex with a bridge and then rolls right into the cattle mutilation which is his submission finisher uh before wwe um right into the cattle mutilation and he's in the submission for probably like it felt like two minutes i don't know exactly how long it was but it was a long time um but eventually low-key ends up passing out and ken shamrock declares American Dragon, the winner by submission in this main event. So as predicted, each of these guys in the round robin challenge got one win. So they are all tied and they all have equal claim to be the first ever Ring of Honor champion. So that's kind of the overall story of this match. I loved, loved the main event. Probably my favorite match so far of my Ring of Honor run through, um, even though it's only two shows, but... By far, I think it's my favorite match so far that I've seen this year in 2002 from Ring of Honor. Um, but yeah, good stuff all around from all three guys in all three matches. Um, really tied the show together well and uh, gave the fans some really good wrestling. Um, even though there was some shit in between, there was some good as well outside of these matches as well. And like I said, Ring of Honor is still figuring things out at this point. Um, but eventually, they're going to be a powerhouse in the independent wrestling scene. So... Looking forward to that as we approach it and uh, enjoying the journey as we get there. So that's about it. That's all I got for you guys today. 
Uh, thank you once again for giving this a download ski, giving this a listen ski. Um, feel free to check out my new website, apronbump.com. Um, if you go to that, you just hit the subscribe button right at the front. It'll bring you to whatever platform you listen to this on. Um, and my all my episodes are on there as well. And uh, feel free to check it out. Give me a subscribe. And hey, how about you give this podcast a rating and review, huh? Why don't you do a good one for old hard, huh? Um, but yeah. Anyways, once again, thank you guys for listening. I'm hard. <laughs> <laughs>